0: Movies take us where music can't, and the screen has so much room for creativity. This week on Sound Culture, Ethan and I are excited to explore a small slice of the screen today. The Sundance Film Festival is usually held in Salt Lake City, Utah, and premieres some of the best short, feature-length, and exploratory films of the year. Since the pandemic, the Sundance Institute has shortened the length of the festival and transitioned to a distant experience with satellite screens and online screenings. We have chosen to watch two films and digest them live, right after each screening.
1: The first film that we're going to be talking about today is titled Street Gang, a documentary on the history of Sesame Street. It's directed by Marilyn Agrello, and it outlines the groundbreaking vision for Sesame Street, a show that shaped so many American children. The second film we're discussing is a dark comedy titled On the Count of Three. This directorial debut from Gerard Carmichael, who also co-stars as the lead, is one of the most highly anticipated films showing at the Sundance Film Festival this year. On the Count of Three chronicles a journey of hopelessness and true friendship. This film discusses the difficult topics surrounding mental health, abuse, and suicide. Let's get started. all right sesame street we just finished the first movie of the sundance film street gang yes so street gang is kind of a biography
0: yeah it's a documentary
1: yeah i don't know why i didn't (laughs) figure out the name of documentary it's a documentary about the creation of sesame street
0: yes so sesame street started in 67 With a group of people Just like educators Producers
1: Writers Yeah yeah, And
0: they just got together And they were like Wait A lot of that TV Like that children are watching Is crap Like it's pies in their faces Or it's like commercials Selling them things Like kids know the Budweiser Theme song For their commercial Rather than knowing like the ABCs Mm -hmm. And specifically inner city kids Who were Like, not getting educational tools like kids in the suburbs. Um, Yeah, it was just, they were looking for something better. And, like, more engaging and, like, teaching kids. Yeah. They did
1: a lot of, uh, it was really cool to see how much market research went into Sesame Street. So they, um, they watched how like they studied kids and how much they were on yeah. TV which is said in like 6465 they were kids were watching television 54 hours a week
0: which i'm which sure which means
1: nothing to us now
0: i can top that with
1: my, <laughs> my phone and computer time. anyway that's but not about us gonna- right now
0: But it makes sense.
1: Yeah. So back then it was 54 hours of screen time for kids under like first grade age and, and these kids, uh, a lot of them were not able to get their hands on a book until first grade. Wow. Uh, and so the need came from, Hey, we see all of these kids in inner cities, um, predominantly kids of color. not have the resources or be able to be prepared as they enter school.
0: Exactly. And they wanted to make a show where parents wouldn't, like, leave the room when their kids are watching it. Like, it could be something that the parents would engage with, too. Yeah. Um, so John Stone, who was the director and creator, um, teamed up with Joan, who was the producer, and it was, like, her idea. And this basically was a response to the civil rights movement. She was like, wait, we need to, like be giving back to these communities like they need this um and this is like the black communities absolutely need a show for them like specifically for the kids so they can grow up and like live in a world that's shaped by them like Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and so they um wrangled up some puppeteers jim henson jim henson and at the time i believe from what i gathered from it puppeteers Mm -hmm. And, like, puppets and media were basically used as, like, kids promotion, like, advertising yeah. commercials for literally just whatever. Pop, yeah. cereal, um, and it they all came with a catchy little jingle that yeah. everyone knew. Um, but they knew and advertisers knew that puppets caught the kids' attention. The yes. bright colors, the the sh- like, the fast movements, mm-hmm. the humor um, caught the kids attention almost more than anything
0: exactly yes so Jim Henson was normally like Jim Henson's daughter is in the film and they interview her and she was like I remember kids would feel bad for me and my family because my dad was a puppeteer and puppeteering wasn't regarded as like a high creative career like they were like oh like are you good like your dad's a puppeteer um she was like no we're fine like my dad's so creative and he's making money and we're doing great and Jim Henson was originally, like, his humor was dark humor. Mm -hmm. And then Joan called him and was like, Hey, Sesame Street? Like, want to join the gang? And he was like, okay. And so they literally, like, used his puppets for good. Like, for educational purposes. So
1: it ended up being um, complete... The first season ended up being completely funded by the U.S. Department of Education, which is insane that television... Um, was being sponsored by yeah, like the Department of Education. And that's kind of where I think like I grew up on PBS.
0: Yes. Like I
1: grew up watching every single show on PBS. Mm-hmm. But they said in the show that or in the documentary that um, PBS was not a channel that you could uh-uh. easily get to with like dialing your TV and, yeah. and finding the right like angle for the <laughs> wires to the be. I- you couldn't find PBS really easily. So you
0: couldn't, like, go on Netflix?
1: <laughs> yeah, you couldn't just, like, click, click, like...
0: I imagine a 2 old baby like, just, like... Yeah, types in...
1: Types <laughs> Sesame in Sesame <laughs> Street. No, yeah,
0: you couldn't do that. So it was, like, not not everyone had access. But then they registered their station number. Yeah. And suddenly everyone was watching.
1: Yeah, and... Um, What's really cool is they said uh, the kind of the main driver, uh, it was this question before they launched, and they said, "What could TV do if we stopped selling pe- to people, stop selling products to people, and we actually just love them as people?" Wow. Which I think. Come on. Us growing up in this Nickelodeon Disney world, like that's what we know. Yeah. Whether like in that weird, you know, Disney humor, it's all about like love and finding <laughs> yeah, it's yourself. Yeah,
0: true. I feel like I never like I, I I definitely knew Hannah Montana lyrics more than I knew like commercials.
1: Right. <laughs> but like yeah. back then. Yeah, it wasn't about that. Especially for kids three to four, like this is that revolutionary, the first, first, first ever mm-hmm. of that of that yeah category. Um.
0: So, while going through figuring out where, where to set this, because right now it's just in a studio, they don't have like settings. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, Do we do this at someone's house? Like, what's the vibe? <laughs> Is it like a fairytale land? John Stone, the creator, was like, Wait a minute.
1: Wait a second.
0: What if we did like an urban street, just like brownstone stoops, like Dirty, fire, fire yeah. hydrants? Super like authentic New York street, like inner city street, and I love that.
1: Have kids hanging out on the street like they do in real life. Yeah, and they had
0: they had regular human beings like the main characters only, and then they would show the puppet part. But then the kids were so engaged with just the puppets that they were like, "Oh, we have to like
1: we have to bring the puppets on the street. We gotta
0: like take this to the next level and just combine the worlds. So it just happened to be a street. Sesame Street was a street where. Monsters and humans, like, live together in harmony.
1: Yeah, they said um, education was important, so every single scene that they did had to be educational. Every joke had to have an educational line to it. Um, But it said education was important, but showing blacks, whites, and monsters all on one street is the most important thing of the show. Yeah,
0: like being able to be friends with someone that's different from you, and Oscar the Grouch is like, so rude all the
1: time. Yeah, and they created him <laughs> to yes. say, You can even love someone who's rude to you. <laughs> Who
0: literally lives in a trash can.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And and they created, you know, Big Bird for massive size.
0: But he has like a child's heart and yeah. he's learning new things, just like the kids that are watching.
1: It and and the way that they developed it was I mean, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that Mm-mm. since. No.
0: Maybe Mr. Rogers, which M- probably is on that same level mr rogers though is a little bit more of a calmer show like i feel like it's more relaxing this captured more of the new york energy Mm -hmm. and like harnessed it and used it to like gather gather kids attention i feel like mr rogers is like the soft grandfather yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: which is what they intentionally wanted to not do they were Mm -hmm. like hey mr rogers is in his own light like he's doing it like we want to we want to grab people's attention in a different way.
0: Yeah. So these characters live forever. Like, although they're not creating anything, like the characters are still the same, and they've almost expanded beyond the world of Sesame Street. And even though they're not writing new things for these characters, like they're still alive and well, mm-hmm. and like teaching kids things.
1: One of the the prominent things that really stuck out to me in this documentary was one of the human main characters uh, ended up actually passing away and so the writers were kind of tasked with this difficult like do we just say that he retired do we say that he moved away to florida for the summer um and and the writers decided to the hard reality of nope we are going to say that he died like point blank say that he is dead and address with children help them process death a little bit yeah um and so they showed the entire scene of them of of big bird uh processing being
0: the place of the child in that scene yeah
1: and all the adults being like no like he's not coming back he's not he's not traveling he's not away and he's not coming back that's just the way that life is but also
0: feelings are valid so yes. whatever you're feeling anger, sadness like let it all happen you know yeah. and gave space for that
1: um, which is awesome they um,
0: yeah they brought in so many artists there were so many people involved like little people big people like mm-hmm. big giant roles like John and Joan and Jim Henson but then also tiny people that like were Big Bird, or we like one puppet on a show, or like got to, little kids that got to be on it and say yeah. the alphabet with Kermit the Frog, and just how they gave everyone room to like be themselves, and have a space to learn, and mm-hmm. make mistakes, and yeah, just be there, but um, I feel like the way that they... Now we just
1: talked <laughs> about the pros, now let's talk about the cons <laughs> of this film. Ugh. Um, you know what? I felt like this was the slowest documentary I've ever watched in my entire life.
0: It was very slow. I, Ethan and I were already on our phones, like, halfway through it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just chose that pacing, but, Ethan, how would you have paced it? Like, what was... Yeah, I
1: think, so, one thing in the Q&A that the director like actively chose was to only highlight the first 20 years of Sesame Street, um, mm. which is super, super valid. Yeah. And for example, Mr. Rogers story, like that movie documentary only highlights the first 20 years, but then it also continues into the future and impact of it now. Yeah. Um, and because Sesame Street is still going, they're still creating episodes. Yes. Um, I, I wish we would have seen the... Kind of act two. So mm. Jim Hansen died in 1990 at age 53. And it literally just stopped the documentary right after that. Like it didn't really continue like the story. No. Um, so we didn't even get to meet characters like Elmo or... Miss Piggy. Um, well, Miss... Miss Piggy's a Muppet, but... Yeah. Muppets and, fun fact, Muppets and Sesame Street were like one thing yeah. for a while. True. Um, but I wish that we would have seen like... How did Elmo come about? How did these like iconic characters that we all know and exactly. love, and like I would say are more our childhood? Yeah. Um, kind of this wave two of Sesame mm-hmm. Street. Where does that fit into the puzzle? Yeah. How does that come along? Where did these ideas come from? Because we saw a lot of, a lot of early conversations, a and- lot of meetings. So we're like, okay, let's see some more meetings of like progression. And
0: we didn't get it.
1: And it was a lot of it was a lot of conversations of, hey, we're representing um, black people really well, but we're not representing Asian people really well. We're representing Hispanic people, but like it's not as accurate as we should be de- describing Hispanic people. Yep. And so a lot of the documentary was trial and error of trying to accurately pick like depict every people group mm-hmm. like a neighborhood. Yeah.
0: Yeah. C- correct
1: um how would you have
0: oh man I think I would have maybe focused on at the beginning like the impact maybe like gone backwards focus on right now who are people maybe even the sons and daughters of the creators like okay what are their lives like now how are their lives impacted by what their father or mother or whoever has done with Sesame Street and then went backwards and like this is how it started like these group yeah. of tiny people like spread into this nationwide global, probably, global yeah. phenomenon that has been shaping children forever yeah. and like giving them space to like create the world that they want to live in and, it really yeah.
1: you know I will say I loved the and I think I already said this but I think this is it just floored me all the way through is it really showed a generation of kids of how to accept one another mm-hmm. truly um, they showed a. I think this was a really good scene that they ended up showing. I wish they would have like spent a little bit more time on it, but they showed in the state of Mississippi they weren't allowing um, Sesame Street to be aired because it showed a mixed neighborhood and it showed black kids and white kids playing together and. <laughs>
0: <Not>, no, yeah. <laughs> not
1: in Mississippi back then, but they but PBS was like no, like this is. This is America, and this is the reality of the street. This is
0: America. Sorry, was that that was counter to your point?
1: Anyway, um, but it, it ended up showing that you know we need to teach mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just the things that we feel comfortable about. Um, another another thing that they really stressed, and I think that ended up expanding, was the need to talk about music and not watered down music.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, what would you think about them talking about music so much like music, that?
0: Music, the jazz, yes. Stevie Wonder, Johnny Cash. So many great names in music. And they were like, yeah, we're going to put in all the modulations and all the, like, I don't know music. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, we're going to put it all in there. Like, they didn't, like, it wasn't like, fun, yay, we're going to have, play a game. Come on, yeah. let's go. But it was like, yeah, yeah. We're g- <laughs> Like, oh, you know, I just, like gave the full look into what music is like mm-hmm. and who's big in music, who's like learning and I don't know. It was it was really fun. And they
1: still do that. I yeah. think that's still a really big part. Maggie they had Rogers. Maggie Rogers single, like a good night song on there. They had her talk about how she loves her hair. Um, and so they, they still are giving that good message that yes. people need to hear. Kids need yeah. to hear.
0: And these stories that build the show. Like it's it's fun because everyone you see on the screen is like people just like you. Like you can find yourself in step in Sesame Street. Like you're like a citizen of Sesame Street too. Like you're you're a bud, you're a pal. Yeah. You're there and yeah, just these like rebels, John John Joan and Jin. <laughs> <coming. laughs>
1: JJJ. Triple
0: J. Um, they really were like the beginning of what it is now.
1: Yeah. So an hour and a half of our lives, we learned some, we cried some, and we will not get that time back.
0: <laughs> Before Ethan says this, I go, how do we want to end this? And that's how we end. It. Jeez. I, I, think, I think it was great. Like people's stories, it was very like tough to sit through. I wanted to leave, um, and exit <laughs> multiple out times. Things. But Rich was like,
1: "Can we be done?" I'm like, "No, that is we gotta, that we gotta true. watch this. We gotta no, yes. like experience it." <laughs>
0: but I think it was a huge part of my childhood. So it was I, I had to watch it, but then I didn't want to anymore. So, but yeah, people's stories are important, and Sesame Street did a great job of giving kids tools to shape their lives.
1: You know, I think the Story is phenomenal and the story is one that I think we'll be hearing forever talking about Sesame Street but the documentary did not meet the mark of the story. Oof. I don't feel like that's my final verdict. boom boom
0: Friends, this next movie that we're talking about outlines topics such as suicide, abuse, and mental illness. If this is a difficult subject for you, feel free to stop the episode. Let's get into it.
1: All right. Uh,
0: On the count of three,
1: I feel very heavy after yeah. watching it, but also at the same time, light.
0: Yes. The script, the story, the way it was shot, yes. all work together to tell this
1: beautiful
0: but sobering story of friends. Yes. So scripts, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, first, I want to say my my wife Lillian said it was one of the one of her favorite movies that she's yeah. ever seen, hmm. which was shocking to me, but also not at all shocking to me. Uh, yeah, I think it was one of my. I would say it was in my top.
0: No, yes. Very... It's one of those, like, gem movies that you you don't know when you're going into it. Like, you know it might be something I special. I knew I would but... probably
1: be, like, near tear-crying. Yes. Yeah. But I... When it finished, I was like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, yeah. we'll jump into it.
0: Yeah. So, the script, um, written by Ari Ketcher and Ryan something. I don't remember his last name. But they wrote the script and Gerard Carmichael directs it and he talks about in the Q&A after that we got to watch um, he talks about the script really being the bible for the, the movie like mm-hmm. usually actors
1: yeah so, so yeah. comedy actors like Gerard uh, so he has been on ABC has been doing I don't even know what has he done?
0: he's done stuff on HBO
1: HBO yeah so a lot of comedy actors they uh, go off script. I think of like Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler, and he's Everyone. not he's not in the same class as them. He's yeah. not an SNL gang member. But um, what I think is really notable is the fact that he quoted multiple times throughout this Q and A that he was very hard on staying true to the script.
0: Yeah, and respects the writers, respects what they've pulled from. Because I know probably the way that the story is so lived in and so real. Um, the writers obviously had mental health, um, just like run-ins with mental health in their own lives because you can tell and Gerard really, really respects them and respects the way that it's written.
1: So something you'll probably hear from us a bunch in this little section of the episode is that this film feels so lived in. Yes. And it definitely stems from the script. Um, when I think of this script, it was playful. It was dry. Uh, it was humorous. It was so funny, but it was also so sad and heavy. Um, and it felt so lived in. It felt like a day in the life. Yeah. And oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this? How, what do you, how do you think, yeah, I think it affected it? The,
0: the writers had a really good sense of humor, but also a sense of drama. They were able to pull on um, and kind of bring lightness into the situation and lightness into the subject matter because it's so dark. Yeah. Like the end of your life, so, so dark. And then they were able to crack jokes and you're genuinely laughing. And then the next second you're like, yeah. wait, this is really intense. Um, and there was just that balance of tones that was really, really well done skillful
1: what I love about that is it really depicts real life so honestly um I think when I think of all the serious moments in my life um I always am like cracking a joke or something like that in that moment even when it's super inappropriate to make a joke because humor is something that as humans I think we all kind of fall back on yeah like no whether that's based out of insecurity or whether that's just to fill the blank noise um and i've never quite seen a movie that depicts humor in such a dark situation so well
0: yeah for sure and the way that it's shot also really really plays into that too yes so it's shot on a 35 millimeter which you can tell from the get-go that green green tint um where it almost feels like you're watching a like a Polaroid picture. Um, and the film takes place over just 12 hours in a day. Um, and I really like that Draud decided to go with the 35mm because then it feels like a photograph. It feels like a snapshot of these two friends' lives mm-hmm. over 12 hours.
1: What I think is so beautiful about it is it... And it doesn't feel like a photograph in the way that like a Wes Anderson film hmm. feels yes. like a photograph... Oh, yeah. It feels like a photograph in the way that it feels so honest and so real that there's almost no way you could get a picture that turns out good about that. Mm. Uh, I I think there's like those moments in your life that you want to take a photo, but you're like, I know the photo is going to be ugly, but the moment is good to me. That's what what they accomplished in this, (laughs) which is kind of a funny way to put it. But yeah, yeah, I think that um, is a good way to put it. I love the coloring of Mm. it. Um, something with 35 millimeter is it has that green, blue, hazy gray color that this entire time. Um, so everything was very stark white, stark gray, um, very harsh contrast in, in all of the scenes there. I think, I believe there's only one scene that was bright and colorful, yeah. I was I was waiting that entire time for this like for colorful reason. like life moment and yes. there never really was I think it was a flashback that was mm. colorful yeah um, I don't even know what it was I should have been paying more attention I was like looking no, at the, like yes. it was so you're
0: like just amazed by yeah. the shots yeah
1: it but it was very it felt very flat mm. like like a Polaroid like yeah, you said like a Polaroid would day. be yeah every day yeah yeah, yeah yeah
0: something that you brought up before when we were talking before we recorded was. The fact that all the shots are tight. How yes. everything is so in in your grill. <laughs> like
1: Yeah, what's like. interesting is you... There was not a single... I think there was maybe one aerial shot in this entire movie. An hour and a half feature film. Mm. Um, it was all tight shots. So it was all portraits, like close up, like shoulder up. Yeah. Um, and it was all locked in faces were center of it no matter the angle that it came from Mm -hmm. and that really i think speaks to this idea of when you are um having a when you're in that mental space yeah um and when emotions like that are so real and valid and that's the only thing on your mind, I don't think you can ever truly see an aerial view of anything. you can't see the forest from the trees, yeah. Yeah. So every single shot was very close up. Um, And so we saw a lot of the same shots throughout the film. Yeah. And I think that's what made it even feel real again.
0: Just like in their lives. And it wasn't like a celebrity wasn't like yes. a well-known figure these are characters that we just met two hours ago yeah. like we just met val and kevin and we just met these men that are going through real like you said real, real valid things and we get up in the grill up their noses literally like, yeah we see it all and yeah. What I
1: love too is I learned this in some of the film classes that I was in in whoa in, at, whoa, in college. Not me being a film major.
0: Maybe I could. See I would it.
1: never. Uh, maybe
0: make a doc, make a documentary.
1: An iPhone doc. That's all the equipment I have. Anyway, <laughs> I have a podcast mic. There you go. But I I learned that um, <laughs> I learned that you would position your camera in different places to give the emotion of what was going on. For example, if you have a a shot and you're talking to your boss, the shot would go low when the boss is talking, up looking towards the boss um, to make the boss seem like a big um, figure. So when you're looking up, you seem like a giant bigger figure. Um, And when you are feeling weak, when you feel small, it usually is a down shot on you because the viewer sees you as smaller. Mm -hmm. So what this film did a lot, it it was mostly straight on, except for when they were talking to the state people or when they were talking to police officers or different people, psychiatrists. And they chose these really sharp, like 45 degree angle, like down is that the only way I know how to explain it? Geometry. Yeah, like the sharp down. Yes. But like none of it was flattering and none of it was yeah. like make mm. you feel like a boss in a good way. It was like, like the power place. Yeah, it was also super awkward and it was meant to feel like the psychiatrist. It was very awkwardly laid out because I feel like sitting in a psychiatrist office and you don't want to be there and you just want to die. I feel like that's an awkward conversation to have.
0: Yeah, like you're, you're not going to be like, oh, yes, hello. It's
1: hello. so good to see you. Yeah, and it's you're like, to be here. and you see that so clearly in his, in, in what he said, um, the coloring of it, and, and just how the camera angles were in that scene specifically. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. For sure. I feel like the whole thing, I know I saw in an interview before the movie came out. Um, with Gerard and I think uh, New York Times or something and he was saying I want this movie to be something that people can't look away from and I think every shot in the movie did that. It just hooked you. Like you were even more enraptured in this story. Um, He
1: also said in the Q&A that he wants to bring or he wanted to bring complicated thoughts and emotions to a global audience Um, and he wanted something really really heavy in everyone's face because we all talk about it. Yeah. We all experience it. We all feel lost. We all feel mm-hmm. grief. We all feel these feelings of emptiness. Yeah. And and he was expressing, I don't think we've ever seen it portrayed correctly. Mm-hmm. And I think he did the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Next to the Joker. I would say the okay. Joker would be up okay. there. Joker. Look at
0: you referencing us. We, we watched the Joker we together over a year yeah.
1: pre COVID. Pre COVID. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the Joker is a good is a good second, completely unrelated. But um, I think this is probably the most accurate portrayal of mental illness that I've You've ever seen. seen.
0: Yeah. So the story, the this the script is yes, the like boundaries of the like movie that we're watching, and the story like moves outside of that, and it's really friendship. It's really camaraderie of the two main characters, Val and Kevin, how Kevin has already attempted suicide and it was a failed attempt and he's in a mental hospital and then Val helps him get out and he makes this pack with him. Hey, we're both at the end of our ropes. Like, yeah, I might as well just end it. And then they try to, they chicken out and Kevin says, man, can we just get one more day? One more day.
1: At the end just- of today.
0: Yeah. If we're feeling it, like, let's do it. Um, and these two men... Um, which I love that it's men. I love that Gerard decides and the writers decide to concentrate on men because mental health in America with men specifically is a highly overlooked area. Um, Men have higher rates of suicide than women, but a lot of mental health resources are geared towards women, like not men. And I think toxic... Toxic Tox, yeah <laughs> toxic masculinity plays a huge part in that and the media portraying men as like stronger and, and not in need of as much help as women and um yeah I think this movie totally rebels against that and is like, no, like these men need help.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: they truly need community, but they need like psychiatrists, they need maybe medication they need continual support around them yeah more than one conversation yeah Yeah. specifically men of color um the main character is black and
1: And that was a big that was a big conversation that they had like even in um their last moments as a duo all the way up to the end yeah kevin who uh was white i think he uh he was like i am so sorry for like The issues that you have had to walk through as As a black black man man. in America, yeah, and the mental issues that you've had to walk through that go un unaddressed, and he said it really funny, yeah, because he's drunk, yeah, (laughs) but it like wasn't funny at all. Like I think the way that I perceived it, and like as a viewer, I was like, oh my gosh, like you're right, you're right, like this totally is taken as a joke, um, which is. Uh, it's so heartbreaking. No. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and um, the twenty-four hour day, the twelve-hour day, really gives us the urgency. Like we see how urgent it is for this, like these resources to spring up. Like we need help. Like these men were like, oh, at the end of this day, like they don't have two weeks. Like right. they're they're really needing it now. Like I think Gerard was saying, like yeah we kind of need like help now like there's no waiting like this should have been done yesterday (laughs) like we should have had facilities programs like workshops yesterday and we should be talking about this
1: yesterday yeah yeah yeah, yeah
0: yeah just the the snapshot um that he picked was really really beautiful and um, it's funny that this idea just came from like him scrolling through his old emails with Ari, like the writer mm-hmm. and just was like, oh, like, let's maybe let's do this. Yeah, but it turned into something absolutely breathtaking
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and just sobering to watch.
1: So there were a few lines that really stuck out to me throughout this entire film, and they really paint a picture of the different moments that are in the film and and you have multiple highs and multiple lows throughout the entire film. But towards the beginning, um, Val helps Kevin escape out of a um, mental hospital. Yeah. And so they're, they're on the run. And they get in his yellow Jeep, which ends up kind of being this, like, iconic figure throughout the whole movie. And True. this punchline of, like, the end. And they're driving in this Jeep. And Val says, they're joking. And he says this in between jokes. Um, he was like, "Not waking up tomorrow is the most beautiful thought to me," hmm. and then, and I think that really hit because you're, you're, you're. They were just talking about how Val got promoted, his girlfriend is expecting a baby, yeah. he has a a nice house to live in. He
0: doesn't like the music that Kevin's playing. Yeah, like, it's just friendship things, and then.
1: And he he's like, up. "I don't even. I don't want to wake up tomorrow. I don't want to live tomorrow." And I think that hits to the reality of what mental illness is and this misconception surrounding mental illness, Um, because it's not an every single moment type thing all the time. I I believe it's you know sometimes it comes and sometimes it. Or it's like that, like
0: hum or like thread. Yeah,
1: it's just like always there. Totally. Um, Another one of my favorite scenes. We it was about halfway in. (laughs) <laughs> and Kevin, they, they were taking their anger out. They said, well, if we have one more day, we're going to use our day because there's no consequences for tomorrow because yeah. we're going to die. And um, so Kevin is like, hey, there was this man who uh, this doctor who treated me horribly as, as a kid. He abused me. Um, and he doesn't outright say it, but it alludes to it through a flashback and, and through the conversation that they have. Um, and and so they obtain a gun, and uh, they... they So Val takes him to a shooting range. Yes. Because he's like, Kevin, you, you can. can You're not... You are a horrible shot. So he takes him to a gun range, and they're practicing, and it's this really comical moment. Um, and then and then kev has this like super like millennial millennial yep. woke statement he says um oh, where is it he says so he shoots and he misses the board he yeah. misses the board that every he was time. every single shot was like he he hit the corner and uh that was like bro what was that and he goes that's the problem with guns; is it gives insecure men the illusion of power. Hmm. And I think that's kind of one of the theses of this entire thing: is these men, not necessarily insecure, but they are definitely questioning life. And yeah. I think in that there's an insecurity mm-hmm. um, that they're finding security in a gun in that yeah. moment, whether that's taking it out on somebody else. Um, or controlling their own own destiny and own fate um through the use of a gun. It it was a really like yeah. sobering moment but of the film. But then also
0: in contrast Kevin also says like man I feel like such a hypocrite when I carry <laughs> I'm carrying a gun and I post about anti-gun laws and like needing to pass them and stuff and And you are like
1: that's so funny.
0: Yeah, because I don't know it's like the it's very it was very well done script, very well done because you're like one moment you're like Dang yeah, we do need anti-gun laws. Then you're like, yeah, like he That's needs funny. to make yeah. a shot. Like he can't even do it. Like whatever. <laughs> but um, it really brings you along on the roller coaster of what yeah. they're going through in these twenty-four hours. But, yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, so it ends up they're they're on a police chase. Yeah. um, Some super like rough things happen, um, and it's they
0: two different paths. Yeah, and the so yeah. they
1: end up on a massive police run and there's helicopters there which is where we see the only aerial shot of the entire is when the helicopter is looking down and um they're driving and uh kevin is like about to kill himself in the car in the jeep and and val is like bro what are you what are you doing and then val ends up saying this one line he says today was a good day for me i'm glad i was alive for today yeah and i think i think that was one of the most beautiful moments and this like crazy chaotic so there's sirens going everywhere there's music blaring and he like says this kind of to himself
0: yeah maybe that aerial shot that we see at the end yeah is like switching from kevin being the pov to val where he's like wait
1: Whoa, that was a good... Whoa.
0: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just to throw it out there. No, I, that was good. I like writing, so I was thinking about it. Um, but just like whoa. Kevin being...
1: <laughs> Kevin, that hit me a little too hard. Kevin
0: be, Kevin, getting a chance to get out of himself, get, about, get out of his mind and see where he's at. Um, mm-hmm. And see where they've come to. And give some like truth and also some guidance to his own mind and yeah. um, kind of halt the mental processes that were happening.
1: It also really, I think one of the major themes of this whole film is the importance of community and, and just the support of those around you. So even when they were making the dumbest decisions ever and there were both times where the other person disagreed with what they were doing, um, they, they, they loved each other and they were like bro I know you're going through a really tough moment but I love you and I'm here with you in this moment through your lowest low um and I think that was one of the most beautiful points Mm -hmm. of the entire movie
0: I think movies do that really well yeah they give visuals but they also allow the watchers to put themselves into the character's shoes and walk with them and then At the end, like, give them a chance to think about where they're at.
1: Yeah. That's a wrap on our Sundance 2021 watch party. Although these films are in stark contrast, they cover stories that are just as real on screen as they are off. Both of these films stress how important love-driven community is in all of our lives
0: if you find yourself in a weird headspace we're going to drop some mental health resources on instagram this week thank you so much for being a part of this watch party and if you saw any sundance films or any good films this week let us know inside we're all film majors we'll see you next week